This is the Get After It Podcast, where young professionals, entrepreneurs, and action takers learn what it takes to be a high performer. This is more than a podcast. It's a movement. Now, let's get after it with your host, Aaron Griffin. Hello, everybody. Welcome in here to the Get After Podcast. I'm stoked today. I can genuinely say our guest today for our live discussion call is a friend. Uh, I've known her for several years at this point, and I am stoked to share this live discussion call with you guys today. Um, And right before I get into that, I want to thank all of you guys for the support on this podcast. And especially these live discussion calls. I've gotten a lot of great feedback from people that are just enjoying them immensely. And I really hope uh, that you continue to, uh, uh, to look at these. We have, we have, excuse me, we have two more that are coming out. We, uh, this one with Lisa was actually from last week. Um, and we still have another one from last week. We have to get up and then, um, uh, and then our final one for this group is going to be next week. Uh, and stay tuned. We're going to be putting together, I believe a new group. So, Uh, We're going to have more information on that as we get going with this. Uh, But for now, I'm going to dive right in here to our live discussion call with Lisa Zelenak. Just to give a quick and brief introduction to her, which she will do once you get into the podcast, Uh, Lisa's a two-time author. She's actually launching, she's in the middle of launching her second book, which is Start Your Thing, the step-by-step guide to turn your impact into income. Her first book, Find Your Thing, is a bestseller on Amazon. Uh, It's How to Escape Monotony, Monotony. in your mid-20s and do work that matters. I thought she was just a perfect fit uh, for everything that we're doing here on the Get After a Podcast. She's a graduate of Central Michigan University, CMU. She's actually from my hometown, uh, right in, well, around the vicinity of my hometown in Oakland, town, or Oakland Michigan. And uh, uh, Lisa actually went to Liberty University, attained her master's, and she's been an integral part of building I mean, so many different roles in a company called Self-Publishing School, which another friend of mine has started and, and grown to a, to a huge number. And, uh, and Lisa's been with them almost from the start in terms of their scaling. Uh, she's, done, she's played an integral role in there. We're going to focus a lot in this interview on sales. We're going to talk about investing in yourself. There's so many great insights here. She's going to talk about her book. She's gonna, this is a really engaged conversation. So I hope you guys are ready for this. Ladies and gentlemen, our live discussion call this week, Lisa Zelenik want to be influenced or they want to learn sales they're like Lisa can we learn your magic that's why people know me but the truth is like my story started in the nonprofit world like I was there was a point back in the day where I was terrified to ask anyone for money like in fact I was in college like dreaming about starting my thing I'm like ah like do I really want to do a nine-to-five and do like this horrible like work environment I just I couldn't you know even think about doing that because my whole life I thought like I'm gonna dream big I'm gonna do what I want Um, So I'm like, okay, like, can I do this nonprofit? Can I start this nonprofit right out of college? But then again, like the reality was sitting in like, well, my dad's going to think I'm like out of my mind. Here I am, you know, like this always student, like, you know, this go-getter. People know me to a certain level. Like, how are they going to see me if I leave college and start my thing? And then what if I fail? Like, what happens then? Um, So it was like really around graduation. I kept going back and forth, back and forth. Do I start my own thing? You know, do I stay? Um, And I had a job lined up right out of college to be able to essentially get my whole master's degree paid for, get all my housing, my food, you know, a a great salary, all this stuff paid for. And I decided, no, forget that. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to take the leap. Um, And again, it was, it was just horrifying. Like, even when I told people, I'd be like, yeah, I'm starting my thing. Like I'm doing this nonprofit. I was so scared. Like people were going to throw tomatoes at me or something. Like it was ridiculous, but I did it. And to be honest, it went well. And it also went horrible. Like I didn't know anything about sales. I didn't want to ask anyone for a dollar. It was the most uncomfortable thing. Like truthfully, when I started even my coaching business, it'd be like, I asked my first client, Hey, like, do you want to do this? Like you can pay me a dollar. I don't care. You can pay me a dollar. Like that's how pathetic it was. Cause I wanted nothing to do with sales, but then fast forward. Like, so I do that. I do this nonprofit world. I end up getting my master's degree in counseling. Like basically I cared about people, <laughs> which indirectly brought me to sales. Um, so yeah, it was a long time ago, five years ago, I did, um, high end fitness sales and I was a sales director. I went over and started the sales team at self publishing school, built it up. Um, left sales, came back, and in two months, I just doubled, helped double our sales team from 350K to 758K. So I finally accepted my mastery is in sales, <laughs> even though I really think it's actually just in helping and serving people. So yeah, I don't know if that's what you want, but that's kind of a little bit of my story. That's good. That's good. So I didn't even uh, mention the fact that you're a best-selling author, and you're going to be launching a new book, which we just we had a chance to chat a little bit about last night. This is, I believe, the 
literal avatar audience, maybe a couple years younger, because most of the people in this group are probably between like 19 and 23, but you really went for, I would say like 23 to 26, right? You rewrote it for the 25 year old Lisa in a lot of ways. Do you want to talk about your book and you getting your book out there? Yeah, sure. So it's funny because it's called Start Your Thing, which is just like my favorite thing. Like, again, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I'm guessing either like you're thinking about starting a thing, you've already started something, maybe you're crushing a business right now, or, you know, who knows, somewhere in between. But like, I'm guessing you're on this call because you're world changers. Like, that's how I've always felt and identified, even if I wasn't starting a thing. So yeah, the book I wrote a couple years ago is called Find Your Thing. Like, what the heck is my thing? And then this one's called Just Start It. And in true my fashion, like I just started it wrote the book even before it was like fully ready. I just like put it out there. So that's kind of like what you'll get out of it is how to craft an offer, how to make it marketable. Essentially like what's something meaningful that you care about and marketable. Cause I think usually people ask one question or the other, like what's marketable, what's marketable. But then I see people still in like handcuffs. They might not be the golden handcuffs, but they're still in like handcuffs, like trying to just build a business that they don't really like. So instead of, you know, making money in business is, is a good question, but I believe there's a better first question, which is what's meaningful to you. And then in that meaning, you know, finding a thing and making it marketable. So I think anything can be marketable if you find just a way to connect the pain and all that to the, to the world. So that's what it's about. What, so you had, you did find your thing was the first book and start your thing is now what you're launching now. Is it part of a, are, do you have like, are you going to keep going with this or what, what, what is this, what, what is this leading for you with your books? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I actually wrote the third book first. It is a series. I actually wrote sell your thing. I wrote sell your thing. I actually did it in a weekend. I like recorded it. If you ever want a book, you can just record it in 48 hours. It's wild. Um, and then I realized, well, that's dumb because so many people, they want to go sell something, but they, they're not selling the right thing or the thing they actually cared about. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll write a second book. So instead I put that one on hold and then I wrote this one. Um, again, I coach a lot of business clients right now. Aaron crushing it. He doesn't need my coaching, but a lot of other, co a lot of other clients I coach. Um, and that's the thing is they can learn sales, but it was really like, what's my offer? So that's what the second book is about first. And I do have the third one coming soon, which is my favorite. Sales is my favorite. So, so, and, and guys, you can feel free to start. If you want to throw some questions into the chat, I'd love to throw it over to you guys. If anyone's thinking anything, because Lisa is like the person to talk to in sales. I mean, she's literally like, I don't think I've ever been able to say no to something that she wanted from me, whether it was on the phone or whatever it was and the work that I've had. And one of the coolest things we've had a chance to do together is the accelerator program that you're talking about with SPS. We had Kate McKay on, which was our first week. Everyone for the most just love Kate. And you have, I want to say like 30 other, I want to say Kate's, but 30 other people in that accelerator group. What have you learned from, because to me, I think you have one of the coolest jobs in that sense. You want to talk a little bit about what that is, what that program is, but also like what you actually get to do and what you've learned from coaching different people at those, at those levels. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm way too lucky. It's so great. Basically, I just coach people to start their business or scale it. Yeah, it's funny because 30 different people in 30 different industries, a lot of them essentially have the same problem. And again, like I, just to put it blank, it is like, what's my offer? Because I'll see people start, but then they chicken out, you know, in three months in a lot of times, like we have to pull it back and restart. And it's not due to a lack of a good idea. It's just the certainty and courage around it. So that's like the most consistent thing I teach and coach. If anything, it's often just helping people have the courage to like go because once you go, then you kind of like figure it out from there and then you go next step and then maybe you go back. But if you're constantly moving, so really courage is actually what I feel like I do coaching people in courage. Um, it's always around like just solidifying the offer. And the biggest thing there is like, man, what do people want? Not what do you want? Like, I don't care if you want to offer 10 coaching calls for this product or whatever. It's like, what does the public want? Like solve a problem, solve a problem. And that's where you'll, you'll win. Um, but yeah, happy to answer any questions. I mean, sales is like my expertise, but counseling's my background. So anything psychology around, you know, what's my thing or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. Game on. So actually, wait, you want to talk a little bit real quick about that, your counseling background and just like how you got into sales entirely. I'd be curious yeah. about that, like with SPS. Yeah. And then honestly, I'd also be curious what the difference is between your sales role that you had been in and then now where you're managing salespeople as a sales manager, right? So I, I would just be curious about that. If you want to elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many good things. Yeah. So sale, essentially counseling is why, like I, I never even thought I wasn't even qualified when I applied for this job. Like, Oh, do you want to come on and build the sales team? I really didn't have the experience. Um, and it was really just me banking on the fact that like, 
honestly, listening, listening was the secret. And like, we would bring in new salespeople and like, they were highly trained and they wouldn't be able to catch me. And like, I would listen to their calls and be like, why? Like they're better. They know all the scripts. I couldn't even tell you like, Oh, the best objection handling. Like, seriously, I knew none of that. Even like a year in, I feel like I was just doing my thing. But the one thing that I was like, Oh, you're not listening. Like I would listen to their calls. I'd be like, you're not actually listening to the person. You're just trying to figure out what to say. And so the biggest thing I learned in counseling is how to listen. Like, here's the secret. If you want to know it, it's how to read between the lines, but it's this, like people will tell you everything, everything that you want to know. You just have to listen. Like they'll allude to things. Like they'll say certain words. And I know Alex, you asked a question about like certain sales skills. This is part of it. Like, what are they saying? And if they say a word that like stands out, it'd be like, huh, well, what did you mean by that? Or like, what about that's important for you? Like just listening and not assuming, like you actually have to ask the question and, and try to read between the lines. It was like, once I figured out how to do that, like you can help anyone get to their next level. Cause the truth is like, you don't have to sell anyone anything. They already want the best version of themselves. People like want to quit smoking, but often don't. So it's not like they don't want to be sold there. They actually want to be like, to step out and encourage. You just have to like help them hear what they don't even realize they're saying, if that makes sense. And then sales management. Oh man, that's a whole nother thing, Aaron. Anything specific on that? Well, well, no, yeah. I'm actually, I'm, no, I'm super curious on how you ended up in that role and why you wanted to take on that role and what it's been like learning. Cause obviously it's like, it's like, I, I, I always laugh at the quote, like if you can't do teach, I think that's such a joke because like once you actually start training sales, it's like you, you just, you, you, you learn, at least when I was doing it, it was like, you learn how to you have to simplify everything. Like everything that you used to do, you can't just explain it. And you know, this is hilarious coming from me. I talk everyone's ear off, right? That's why I was like so challenged by simplifying everything down. I'm just yeah. curious, like transition to that role where now it's like, you just said it though too. You, you could listen to people's calls. That probably makes a big difference. But yeah, what has it been like transitioning to a leadership role in sales? Ooh, Yeah. Oh man, I don't know if this is relevant, but there's a part that was probably, is probably relevant to you guys. Like I never wanted to do management or I always said that. I think because my whole life I had to lead projects and lead everything. It's like, man, let me just like deal with myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really, really cool actually. Like I feel like there was a shift in my career where I started just like wanting to add value to others. And I'm sure you guys are the same. Like I'm sure you're already adding tremendous value to people in your life. But it's funny, there's a perfect parallel, I believe, between leadership and sales. And again, going back to your question, Alex, like, Here's the secret, I think, in leadership. And I'm still like figuring it out. But so people will come to me and they'll be frustrated about things. And oftentimes managers will be like, well, no, like, you know, this and this and like, this is my way, this is my way. Same thing on sales calls. Like often like you'll experience tension. Well, look, what about the price? Well, no, it's worth the value. Like, again, I don't know if you're doing sales. Maybe you're recruiting people for something, recruiting them for your vision, whatever it is. But there's this concept of like, we're often fighting with people. And the biggest shift that I learned to make on sales calls and in leadership is you've got to learn to fight for people, not with people. And if you're ever like catching yourself, like as a leader tensing up, like one of my, um, one of my like employees, teammates, whatever you want to call them, like was frustrated about something. And normally I'd be like, well, no, like you're seeing it wrong. You're seeing it wrong. No, like that would be me finding with him. So instead I'm like, well, tell me more. Like, let me hear. Like, I'm not afraid of anything on sales calls. I'm not afraid. You tell me like you're afraid of money. Hmm. Tell me more. What are you afraid about? What about that's important for you? Like you have no fear as a leader or a salesperson or an influencer, I would say like, if you can be unfazed and unoffended, like that's the secret to life, the secret to sales, the secret to leadership, because then you're truly like, you don't have to worry about that. You can just listen, like keep asking questions, let them get their problem out. All of a sudden, to be honest, they see their problem more clearly and you didn't have to fight with them. Now they basically came up with the solution anyway. And that's the exact same thing in sales. If I'm ever finding myself fighting with someone like on price or like, even if my tone is getting like tense or like I'm tensing up or I'm getting frustrated, like stop, get off the call because you shouldn't be influencing and you're not going to actually influence. Same thing in leadership. So the best advice I would give, and hopefully this means something, maybe you'll experience it or when you experience it, you'll, it'll make sense. But man, it's fighting for people, not with them. And if you ever feel like you're fighting with them, stop, reset and get back in a space where you can, you know, fight for them. I absolutely love that. Hey, Alex, do you still want to ask your question? Yeah, I mean, you touched upon it. Thank you so much, Lisa. And you have a great smile, by the way. Um, but I resonate a lot with you because all my um, professions so far have been sales dominant. And now I've accepted a position in Chicago to actually sell to CEO and uh, C-suite level executives. So I've 
basically I'm going from selling like average Joe's, like I've done door to door and stuff, you know, not to be rude average Joe's, but you know what I mean? And then now I'm going to be selling to these like higher up people. So I guess, do you have any tips for that? Like the differences? Yes. And real quick, what are you selling? What do you get to sell to them? So it's Guerrero Media. Basically, um, it's a two-way sale where you get the CEO to be on board to be in a magazine of their industry. Yeah. So but, you're, but you're selling, they don't have to pay anything. So they get this positive story written about them. So that part's easy, but you have to get their sponsor to uh, buy that space. Oh, love it. Okay, cool. Well, the good news is all humans are the same. CEO, you know, whoever would be the opposite. Like, I think all humans are the same. So I would say two pieces of wisdom for you that you, again, hopefully and probably already know. The first one is it's always about figuring out the meaning behind something. So in your case, it's the magazine. Like, what does the magazine mean for someone? Or, you know, maybe you're selling knives. What does the knife mean? What does the book mean? Whatever you're selling, like really in the art of asking questions, you're figuring out this means something. Like if you think back to, you know, even when we first, humanity first became Adam and Eve, whatever, like you see the snake or you see something like we as humans have created meaning like things mean something only because we mean them so maybe some of you are afraid of snakes i am <laughs> and that's because we've created the meaning behind that so same thing applies now like with the magazine what your goal is is to figure out what would that mean for you know the ceo and and what you're trying to get at is like you know the trigger or like the true like desire of their identity because magazine will mean something for different people and if you can if you can figure out what that means so maybe it means status but okay status for what maybe it's like looking a certain way to their family to their kids to their past high school classmates like you know almost like it seems silly and like why are, you're not going to like ask the ceo all these personal questions but you kind of are and you know there's probably clues like within their office there's there's lots of different ways that you can like Pack that. But if you can figure out what that magazine means, like all of a sudden you're not selling the magazine, you're selling the meaning of who they want to become. And then that's kind of my second thing to tie right in there for you is identity. So really that's the answer is you're figuring out the meaning, but you're figuring out who do they want to become? What is that identity? And it's usually, honestly, Alex, because of an absence. Like they don't feel respected or something. But if they got on this magazine, they would feel respected. You know, and they might not even be able to verbalize that. That's why you got to be a really good communicator and a skilled question asker so that way you could pull that out of them. Because who else in their life is going to be asking like, you know, what would it mean for you to be on the magazine? No one. And, and they probably, it might seem unnatural, but they'll love it because we all want to go there. We all want to like seek that meaning. So that's the second thing is just like identity. Know that all of us, no matter who we are, we have like a gap in where we are at and the identity we want to become. So if you can like hone in on what that identity is, same thing again, all you're selling is the identity, that meaning. So it's like, Hey, well, the good news is you can get this magazine so that you can be seen a certain way. Your classmates will see you, you know, insert all of the meaning to them. Does that make sense or any follow up on that? Yeah, it does. Thank you so much. I love that. I love that. We got several questions in here. Marissa, you're up next. You want to go? Marissa. Yeah. Hey, Lisa. Thanks for being here tonight. I really appreciate it. My question goes to kind of like selling yourself in a sense. And I was just curious, um, what kind of actual steps do you think that somebody that's around 23 years old, 20, like pretty much everyone in this group, obviously we're all here. We want to make a difference. Do you think that we need to be taking in this time if we kind of want to break out of that nine to five mold and kind of like make our own path? Can you touch a little bit on your story there and just any tips and tricks that you might have? Yeah. And Marissa, will you give me like 20 more seconds of context on you? Like, is there something you're thinking about or kind of bring it back to you for like 20 seconds? I was going to say you yeah. two are actually fairly similar. You guys have some similarities. <laughs> Go ahead. So 20 seconds really quick. Um, I'm actually working on a startup business right now. Um, I'm doing this like shark tank like thing for my university. I go to Bowling Green State okay. University. And in September, I'm pitching in front of an audience of about 2000 people with my business idea in front of these investors with the hopes that I'll get invested in to hopefully work on my startup business. So that's kind of where I'm at. I want to work for myself, be my own boss, make a difference in the world in my own way. So yeah, I'm in school. I'm getting my MBA right now. I'm graduating in August. Love it. Oh my gosh. And if there was a question you were asking, is it, do I do this full time versus go to a nine to five? Or if you were asking a specific question, what would the specific question be? So yeah, it feels like everything is like a very hypothetical thing right now. Like I haven't done my business pitch yet. I don't know if I'm going to be invested in. I don't really know what happens after college. Like everyone kind of expects you to like have your life together, get your job, get your first house, you know, all this stuff. And all I really want to do is make a difference and do that in my own way. And I just like want to know actionable steps that people like us can take to kind of break that mold and start doing that. 
So good. So good, man. And that's just such a hard question too. So first of all, congrats <laughs> for having the courage and you know, the care to even be in that space. Um, a couple of things. So I believe in this concept of acting like for something, like acting out of a value versus fear. And so keeping that in mind, like one of the things I would ask yourself is like, what's the value that I'm chasing? Like, okay, I want to change the world, but like almost like what's this meaningful problem that I'm trying to solve? Because I think a lot of us get caught up in the idea like we want to help people. Well, you can, you know, walk down the street and help people right now, but I, I have a feeling that wouldn't satisfy you. So the real question is like, it's, it's really putting it in a question for yourself. And like Einstein's a good example. He solved a meaningful problem. Like, you know, for seven years, it took him to freaking solve a meaningful problem. But like, it's gotta be something that you care about so much. And there's like a joke, like that's why he looked, you know, so insane because he was solving the same problem over and over. But I think that that's the concept is like, what's meaningful to you? And so for you, maybe it's like, how do I help, you know, young people have courage? You know, that's maybe kind of lame. Um, it, maybe it's something in a specific target audience, but don't even worry about like the audience as much as it's like, what's the question that like you're on a mission to solve for the rest of your life? And then really it's just every day, how can I do one more thing closer to that? Because I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and I know I did. And that's why like possibly part of why my first nonprofit thing didn't like take off. Like it was going to be this million dollar thing. Cause I, I was like, it's just one thing. Once I have my one thing, everything will work out. And it, and it can work. And I want to give you the hope. And also just know if you're constantly asking a good question, you will constantly move the needle. So that way it's like, oh, I'll do this video thing today. I'll do this YouTube thing tomorrow. Like now all of a sudden you're just creating things that are asking the question. So if that means anything to you, like think about the rest of your life as building this impact engine. And so like, you know, now you're going to start doing that with the thing you're pitching. But even if you don't get the pitch, remember, it doesn't matter. You're still, you're still committed to the question. So it's just like, how can I do more and more each day to build, to build that impact engine? Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. Yeah. Then I think I had something else, but we'll leave it at that. Like again, way to have the courage because I think oftentimes we get caught up in a thing. And then if for any reason that thing failed, we're like, Oh, my life is ruined. I can't do this. No, like it just is getting you closer to the question. And then, oh, I remember the second thing is just like, <laughs> if there are any skill sets that you do want to build, um, just a pro tip is like, you can have people pay you in a job to learn those skill sets. So if you ever have to do a job, think of it as an opportunity of, well, how could someone pay me for the thing that I would have to learn on my own? Like, oh, well, right. I'll just do this nine to five for a little bit. That's great. I'll, I'll learn the skill set. I love that. Thank you. Right on. Mr. Caldwell, you have a question about cold calling. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Thank you. Oh. And thanks. I love the energy you brought here tonight so far. So thank you for being with us. Um, so I was wondering, a lot of us are either kind of looking to grow our own thing, whether it be starting a business or becoming an entrepreneur in some sense. Some of us are still in school, so trying to build their network. What are, so I've got kind of two things that relate to each other. What are, in terms of like a interlevel conversation, what are some opening questions that you default to to get someone to open up about themselves and their background to you? And then how do you kind of use that to build into um, like the second call? Because I feel like, you know, anyone can have like the first conversation, like or a first phone call, but how do you kind of keep that dialogue going and build into the next one? Um, I guess if you have any tips or tricks there, I'd love to hear about it. Thank yeah. you. And for context, Evan, what's your industry or like, what are you solving? Do you have any context you can give? <clears throat> Definitely. So I, so I currently work for a, um, I guess a large bank. I guess I work for a Morgan Chase. Um, so like, doing, I guess, banking and other sorts of stuff like that for them. Um, but I want to go into a um, fast growing startup, preferably in the freelance working space. Um, so I'm looking to, I've been kind of reaching out to companies with teams of five to 15 people or so and trying to become a, join a, as a sales sort of role or sort of a customer success type role um, and trying to get in something early and grow from scratch. Um, and I guess for me, it's been kind of, getting dialogue with business leaders and trying to grow or like pitch myself to grow with them. So anything yeah. you might have. Thank you. Okay, cool. One more question. <laughs> so what would you say? And, and it helps in context too. Like, so what would you say is the problem that you are trying to solve? Like, I know I've mentioned that a couple of times, like what, what is the problem that, you know, your new freelancing piece will solve for people? Um, I think it personally, like I, for myself, always, I want to free up my time to, be a part of things that I'm passionate about and care about. And I think that yeah. the freelance workspace kind of allows people to pick and choose the projects and the companies that they're working on and they're working for. Um, so in a way, like I'm interested in that field because it would 
you know, definitely like impact my life and make it better, but in return, it'll look like hopefully will allow people to pursue something they're actually passionate and care about in, in the long run. Yeah, for sure. So this is a question for all of you. And then one more follow up question, Kevin, I'll answer is like, as much as this is about you, the very first thing that you really have to know before you do any business, any freelance is like, what is the real problem that people have? What is the problem you're solving? Because if we're not focused on that as the problem, like we won't be able to bridge the gap and solve it. So to ask you maybe one more time, what do you think they would say is their problem? The people that you're going to help? Um, that's a good question. Um, to be honest, I would say, I think I would say that a lot of people's problem is that um, the traditional kind of work environment is kind of very time constrictive and not very, um, you know, kind of, it can be bureaucratic in ways can be, you know, isn't very forward thinking or entrepreneurial. It's kind of like more time restrictive and set in stone. I think that people naturally want to um, free up their own schedules and be able to kind of create their own workspace work environment. Um, and I would say that that is what I'm interested in kind of learning and pursuing more about. Okay. Got it. And maybe Aaron, help me out if I'm missing it. So are you helping them become freelancers? Is that what you're going to do with your freelancing? Oh, goodness. Um, I don't know that, I guess, I don't know if I can go, I don't know. I mean, I guess, yes, but, um, to be honest, I guess I don't really, I don't know if I have an answer for that. Okay, cool. Well, I have an answer for you and, and let me know if this makes sense. But for anyone, if you want to, cause I love the question of cold calling and I'll touch on it, but usually I just really believe again in the concept of like asking the right first question. So like we can cold call all day. In fact, probably for the next two years, you could cold call and be like really good at cold calling. But the great news is you might not have to be really good at cold calling if you ask like the right question first. So one of the things I would say for you, Kevin, or for anyone is like, again, recenter on like, what is the problem I'm solving? Because all of a sudden you don't need anything from others. They need you when you know the problem. And there's this, you know, this concept of like a photographer. Um, actually Seth Godin references this. He's one of my favorites. He'll say, you know, it's way easier to sell photography to someone who has a newborn baby than someone who has a seven-year-old. Like someone who has a seven-year-old isn't looking for photography. They don't have a photography problem. So you can cold call all day. But the idea is like, someone who has a newborn, they have a problem. So if we can be clear on what they would say their problem is, our life is way easier because like, that's why I love Facebook ads. Oh, thank you, Facebook. You saved my time. Like you're like this, like miraculous angel flying in to save people's time on the cold call. And that's why we want to know the problem. So for all of you, like write this down. If you don't have it right now, like what is the problem people are, are need solves? And here's my shortcut way that I would do it is think, put yourself in their mind, think of one person and say, what are they Googling? This is my favorite thing because people go on Google for quick answers. Like WebMD, it kills me because we all think we're doctors. We like go on WebMD and then all of a sudden we feel like we have a solution. Oh, you know, I'm dying of this. No, but we go on Google to find quick and immediate answers. So a good way to think about that, I would say Kevin is like, okay, what are these people that I'm going to be cold calling? What would they be Googling right now? And all of a sudden, like start to list it out. Like, how do I fix this? Or what do I do with this? I mean, I'm always Googling things. So write that list out. Then what I would tell you to do even before cold, cold calling for any of you is this concept from 8020 um, uh, by Perry Marshall, um, sales of principle, sales, um, principles of sales and marketing. It's this concept of racking the shotgun. So I'll save you the, the story there. But the idea is you want to get people to raise their hand ahead of time. Like you, again, you can be the best cold caller in the world, but what if you only had to call 10 people because you called the right 10 people? So that's the first question to look at is how can I like rack the shotgun and get the people to the surface? Um, so I would advise you to do what you may already know or what you don't is this concept of a lead magnet. And any of you, even if you want to impact, like figure out what people are Googling and then offer something of value, something tangible. Like if you can see my hands, I'm like trying to make a tangible thing. It should feel like something of value that would solve their immediate problem. So if they're on Google, they're typing in their questions and they saw your thing. It was like, click on this valuable thing I'm going to give you for free. It could be a video. It could be a PDF. It could be an assessment, whatever. Now all of a sudden you gave them something in the space of their need and they're way more likely to reach back out to Kevin. So I would say that's a good first step even before cold calling. And then you can even just text people or email like, Hey, thought this might be of you know, interest to you or whatever. There's millions of ways you can email, but now they're engaged with you. They see you as the expert and you're solving their direct problem. Does that make sense or any thoughts on that? No, that was helpful. Thank you. Okay, cool. And then you can still follow up after if you have cold calling questions, because I know that's, you know, not a fun game, <laughs> but it is fun.
Well, it, and Kevin, it sounds like for you, it's really for a job, right? Like you're looking to, you're, you're looking the sales approach to actually find where it is that you want to go, which I think what Lisa said is so key. It's like, you really got to identify, is it sales? Is it customer success? What is the thing that you can really offer and drill down on that? So then put yourself in front of people that are actually looking for that kind of expertise and don't look to sell them right away. Just build a relationship, start building rapport. How can you serve them? I thought that was great. Um, well, my bad, Kevin, too. I totally missed that. I think I thought you were like offering a product, but same thing totally applies. If, if they have a problem in customer service, give them a value add that shows like how you meet that need, solve a problem, and then you're the next level of their problem. I think I totally missed you, but same concept applies. Very, I was about to say, it's literally almost very similar concepts. Um, where am I at here? Mr. Tom. Tom, you have background background. Yeah, Tom, you want to ask this question? I want to thank you for uh, hopping on the call again, Lisa. I was uh, wondering, you mentioned you have a uh, extensive background in psychology, which obviously knowing the uh, behaviors of people will help you to mm -hmm. sell products to them. I was wondering over the years what specific skills or uh, pieces of knowledge you've acquired that helped you the most to elevate your selling over everybody else's? Yeah, so good, so good. I'll give you the three magic phrases too, Tom, uh, for you. It goes back to the same thing I said, which I would definitely prioritize this. Most people don't wanna hear, but it is listening. It is learning to read between the lines. So I'll give you three questions that you can ask that would help you learn to listen. Because again, like, it's not even that people don't wanna share. It's just, we're asking bad questions. Like, we're just horrible. Like, how are you? I'm good, you know? We just don't have like a good, like societal relationship with asking and answering questions. So one question, Tom, for you is, well, what does that mean for you? Or what would that mean for you? So that's the first thing you wanna say, like, okay, I want this. Hmm, you want a house? You wanna buy your house? Okay, well, what would that mean for you? You know, for Aaron, for you, for me, that might mean three different things. So if you can ask that question and hear it, that is more powerful. Um, and then uh, again, I'll give you a couple more things, but then in psychology, like there's always a layer deeper. So that's what I learned in psychology. It's never, <laughs> there's a joke in like marriages. It's never about the dishes. Like people are fighting about the dishes, but it's always about something different. So like, hmm, well, what does it mean for you when he doesn't put his dishes there? When she puts her dishes here, what does that mean for you? They'll say like, well, you know, they're not listening to me. And what does that mean for you? So now like, you honestly, it's like the concept of asking why seven times, like same thing. Well, what does that mean for you? Hmm. And, oh, he, you know, did this or she did this. Hmm. And what does that mean for you? All of a sudden you get to the root thing. So as a salesperson, you don't want to ask that like eight times, but if you ask once or twice, now you're, it's a totally different conversation. It's like a meaningful conversation. And that's something to note too, salespeople, or if you ever want to do sales, like write down the word why and cross it out. Do not ask the word why, because it's very like, well, why, 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 why? No, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for you? So that's the first question, Tom. And the second question is, what would that mean for you? What about that's important to you? Like it's the same, same thing. What would that mean for you? What about that's important to you? Um, and then I said three, actually, maybe I don't have a third one, but it's this concept of like, so that you can. Um, so like, okay, and if you could do that, you wanna do that so that you can do what? Like it's just always following up with, you want that because you want something deeper. So hopefully that helps. It's always about, there's always layers. Psychology teaches you there's layers. And if you can listen and just give people space and not be like, why, why, why? They'll give you everything that you want to know. Uh, thank you very much. Hey, Lisa, we got a lot of awesome questions, but I really quickly want to slide this one. And I can't remember who I asked this of last time. It was like a couple of weeks ago, we had somebody on and um, we talked, just talked about how sales is so, whether or not you're in sales, you're always selling. You want to talk about just the importance of actually like recognizing that sales is a skill for, I was just chewing on it with like yeah. Kevin with like trying to find a job. It's like, it is sales, right? Like everything kind of comes back to sales. You want to talk about that a little bit in terms of how everything does come back to sales, no matter what industry hypothetically you're in or what kind of job role you specifically have. I don't know if I'm teeing that up. Yeah, for sure. And just curious, raise your hand if you like sales, who actually likes sales on here? Okay, and raise your hand if you don't like sales. Is there anyone who doesn't like sales? Oh, these are our people. Awesome. Well, usually, like before I would ask her that question, I would have to be like, forget sales. Like, it's not about sales. You know, it's not about, because usually we have like this preconceived, even when I did sales, there was still some times that I was like weird about selling. So one of my favorite quotes, Aaron, that I invented, this is like maybe my only quote in history ever <laughs> in 30 something years, is sales isn't weird, you're weird. So if you ever feel like it's weird to like reach out or cold call or like ask someone for a sale, sales is not weird, 
you are weird. <laughs> so good news, you are the problem, which means you can fix it. You know, sales is everything, which means like, it's just you. It's like how you're responding. So if you're worried about something, about making a sale or asking someone to do something, you're making it about you. And again, the key to all sales, like the key to impact, like that's why I love you, Marissa. You want to change lives. Like, yes, yeah, same here. Um, it's not about you. So that's, again, the secret is like, if we're ever worried about ourselves, like I'll coach salespeople all the time. And the other thing that ties in here is mindset. Like, oh, if you're like, well, I'm not making any sales or I, I didn't make a dollar yet or I didn't get my pitch or, you know, no one's answering my calls and letting me work for them, whatever it is you're making about you. Like it's, it's not about you. And as soon as you, you can't be worried about yourself and fighting for others at the same time, you just can't. So it's just like, well, instead of me worrying about myself, why don't I just go out here and like fight for others? And I find that in my relationships, like if I'm, you know, like, Oh, well this person, like they don't care about me or something. There's, there's not going to go anywhere. Like if I'm worried about myself, I'm not going to be able to like be helping them or same thing. If I'm coaching, like if I'm like, Oh, you know, they they don't think I'm a good leader or something well, then I'm not going to be a good leader. So if anything, sales is everything. But just remember, like, if you ever feel weird, you're probably just thinking about you in any relationship, in any, you know, sales type of thing. So just really think, like, there, I know you're here for a reason. You care about people. So get back to that as the main reason. And, and then your mindset will be so excited to do whatever you're doing. So when I, by the way, when I, when I give people initial prep before they join us as guests, I usually just say, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to talk about you. And then we'll have some questions. Lisa, I'm sorry. We were just grilling you with all sales questions here. So I, I hope love it. Good. Uh, Mitchell Sanford. Awesome. Mitch, you want to roll in? Yeah. So uh, I've got an engineering background and not really a sales background, but I've been reading some books on sales and they really push selling on emotion. I think that's kind of a basic. Do you think it's better to sell on positive emotion? Like, you know, new experiences, what could happen good if you buy the product or push negative emotions? Like, fear of missing out, you know, we only have a couple of units left or, you know, bad things that could happen if they don't buy your product. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like the scarcity, man. I love that. So I believe it's possibly a concept of both. And again, it's really just like where they're at. So I would simplify it by saying it's just about the gap. Um, the truth is, and Tony Robbins will speak to this and he's, you know, pretty good when it comes to knowing influence that it is easier to motivate people in pain. Like people will do way more to avoid pain than they will to gain pleasure. So keep that in context. But I really just believe it's this concept of the gap that like you can do two things. You can like make here feel like, oh, this horrible thing. And then like there feels far away. Or you can like hype up like this amazing future and it feels so far away. And either way, you're creating the gap. So that's what you want to go for. And I would simplify it, like I said earlier, to identity. It's just a gap of identity. And then you can talk about like, like I was, I was coaching someone live. They were doing a sales call today. And I'm like, I heard her say something and he's, he was handling the objection by saying like the spouse objection. She's like, Oh, I want to talk to this friend or whatever. And I messaged him. I'm like, stop asking your questions about the spouse. It's not about the spouse. Go back to capability because here she was thinking like, well, I wanted to do this, but I've never done it in the past. Like what's going to change now? It's, it's always about us. And so I'm like, play up with capability. Ask her like, well, what does it feel like to know that you can be capable, but you're not there yet? You know, and what about here's frustrating? So I think it's both. It's asking like, well, what about here's frustrating? Like, tell me about that. Like, why does it suck? <laughs> I will ask that question a lot on sales calls. What about this sucks? Like, I'll just say that. And okay, why do you want that? What about that's important for you? So honestly, Mitchell, the real answer is like pain motivates people more, but I just truly believe like it's all in proportion. Like you don't want to like get someone in fear, Fear versus the value. Like if you can have them see what they want more than this like pain and see why this is painful, then they'll move. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Thank you so much. Cool. Good question. Really, really identifying that pain point. I love that. Chris, we're going to come to you in a second, but AZ, Alex has a question about imposter syndrome. And I think Lisa could do a keynote on imposter syndrome. So I want to have Alex ask that. Oh. Yeah, Lisa, so do you have any specific insights on imposter syndrome and how to combat it? Yes. So Alex, same game again to you. Is there something that you have that in relation to any sort of imposter syndrome in your own life? I mean, just being completely honest, I feel like I carry around a lot of self-doubt and unless yeah. I am like really in my role, it's just like a muscle, right? Like it, like it deflates. And so when I haven't been doing sales for a while and I'm like, definitely nervous to go back into it and I, I have confidence like once I'm in that role like I can be coached again and you know get in the mindset again but honestly for me too a lot of the times it just takes drinking a lot of caffeine and I don't <laughs> want to rely on that 
That's so good. Okay, I have two insights. So here's the, a secret magical thing that I believe I found, um, Alex, is your fear, like even in imposter syndrome. So for all of you, like if you feel like an imposter, I would ask yourself like, okay, what do I fear? You know, and for me, like it'll always be like, oh, I fear I'm not capable. So I would be curious. Maybe for you, you feel like, maybe it's not capable. Maybe you feel like you're not, you know, strong or you're not um, an actual influencer. I don't know. We all have like something that it would root to. Like, I actually really believe we all have like one main thing that it roots to. So here's this really cool thing. And this might be way over your head, but this is for those of you who have like high advanced levels of awareness. If you can ask yourself a couple of times, like, what is it that I really fear? Guess what? Like, that's your superpower. Meaning like, if you fear doubt or like, there's probably a couple other layers. If I ask you a couple of questions, we could probably find it really quick. Um, but again, like for some people, it's capability. They feel like they can't move if they feel incapable. And so if that's the fear, the thing that they're really good at and their superpower is making others feel capable. In the same way where some people feel like, oh, I'm alone, no one likes me. Well, their superpower is making people feel like connected. And so the reason I say that is the more you can be aware of the fear, don't be afraid to like, like write it out, ask yourself, like, because it's not going to go away. And I say that as a really good thing. Like, here's good news. It's just not going to go away. But the more you can understand that you can start to do what I call like switching. And the quicker you can learn to switch from like, whoa, I'm afraid of this to wait, this is my superpower. So I could sit here and cry and be worried or, oh my gosh, how do I get on with the CEO and go help him feel capable? I could be afraid of my own capability or, oh my gosh, I know more than anyone else how to make people feel capable because I know that pain. So hopefully that's not like too over your head, but for those of you who are advanced, I promise is irrelevant. Figure out what that is and it's your superpower. And the only way I found to get over imposter syndrome, Alex, is again, you can't be in fear and fight for someone. So again, you have to like find a way to just instead say, okay, I'm afraid of this and I'm brilliant. You know, oh, I'm Alex, I've done all this, you know, training. I, I, I love people. If I am afraid of this, imagine how much more a CEO is afraid of this, who has all these people like that are reporting to him, who has this family that probably follows him or her, you know, whoever. And so if you can put yourself in their mind and start to think, if I feel like this, what are, what's their pain? What do they feel? Now all of a sudden you don't have time for your own problems and imposter syndrome is irrelevant because you truly are showing up powerfully to serve that human with their own need. Thoughts on that? I love that. Thank you. Yeah. You're going to kick ass at your job. I know it. Hey, so, um, we had, we had, um, for, for Mitch and Chris, they both had low expectations going into this call because they know you went to Rochester High School and they both went to Adams with me. Chris has a question though. I hope that, I think that reputation has turned around in today. Well, I went to Avondale for what it's worth. So we're off the charts. We don't even count. So that's the good news. I'm from Rochester, but went to Avondale. Go ahead, Chris. Oh man. Well, Lisa, thanks for being with us today. Um, so my biggest thing, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm a sales guy. I've been making cold calls for years now. I'll call somebody, you know, 40, 50 times to get them on the phone. I'm, I'm that guy. Um, but my big thing is, you know, when you talk to somebody, you call them up, they answer the phone. It's like, hey, what's up? This is Chris. How are you today? I hate that. Hate it, hate it, hate it. And I don't know what to say. So I just stop saying it all together. I just go right into what I'm talking about. And I don't really know what to say. So well, I just get past that first five seconds. And, uh, was hoping you could give me something to say there. I love it. It's so funny. Chris, you, you know, whatever this means, you sound like a sales guy and I'm sure you do awesome. Okay. okay. So what are you selling or what, what context, what do you jump on the calls about? You know what? So I, I was flipping houses in college and now I'm doing uh, real estate now. So. Okay. And are these cold calls? Like are these random people or what's the context for the call? Oh, I was literally picking up a phone book for a while calling people. Okay. Wow. And are you, are you still doing that now? Are they like super cold? Like leads? Uh, no, I call them warm now. I'd call them warm leads. Um, so now they're, you know, they're coming in, they're inquiring on Zillow, you know, maybe I see them in an open house and I get them to give me their phone number and then I call them the next day, see how they're doing. Okay. The truth is I have no answer for you, but I'll give you some okay. thought. Um, one of my favorite things is this concept of just like, like, I think people can hear, you know, you can hear the smile through the phone, whatever. Again, I don't even like listen to a lot of those concepts, but what I truly believe is like, if I'm going to sell someone, like if I can find a way to be interested in them. So if I'm asking any question, it's, I'm like genuinely trying to hear. So I'm asking, how are you? I'm trying to train my brain as quick as possible to find something I like about this person. And if you need to look them up on Facebook or whatever ahead of time, do that. Like you, you won't feel like annoying about the question. if like, you're genuinely like trying to like hear the answer. And it's usually like, you want to ask 
I'm guessing Aaron, like you'll have good conversations with people that you want to ask questions to. So right. really the real thing I would say is how do you almost like train your brain to just like, like them instantly. And that's why a lot of people will look people up on Facebook or whatever ahead of time so that they can like them. So again, it might be harder for you, but it's like, if you are asking that, you're looking for like a way to like them, um, which, you know, could be anything, you know, you can change, change the way you say it. Um, oh, one of the things that I've often done is like, oh, how's, how's it going? How have you been? Like, it's just like this concept, like we're already friends. That's just like a way I personally like to live my life is like the people I haven't met yet, I just, you know, believe they're already my friend. They're just like waiting to happen. So same thing with like, if I walk into a coffee shop, I'm like, oh, how's it going? Have you been? Or whatever. So you could try something like that. I don't know what your philosophy on life is, but like maybe doing something that aligns with you. Um, if you're just like an off the wall guy that likes to ask random things, like you can do that. A lot of times people will be like, like call out the fact that it's a cold, like call out the elephant. If there's an elephant, like, yeah, I'm cold calling you, you know, what's up or whatever. Like do something that feels like it aligns with you and your true self. And then you will never feel like, not even weird asking the question, but it'll feel aligned. So I really don't have an answer for you, Chris. I don't know in a good tactic, but something that feels like you is what I would say. And then try to as quick as possible. If you're asking it, find a way to like them instantly. Okay. I can work with that. Okay. Awesome. I appreciate it. <laughs> Hey, uh, Lisa, I've got a question out of, out of right field for you. So uh, okay. I'm just genuinely curious on, <clears throat> I talk about this in my book that's coming out next month, finally. We're yes, finally let's go. We have, uh, one of the things I, I just talk about is um, investing in yourself. And I think mm -hmm. one thing that's very common, especially you can't even blame anyone today when they get out of school and they have X amount of tens of thousands of dollars of student loan debt the last thing they invest in for at least the principal few years out of school is investing in themselves. You've had the opportunity to attend some really freaking cool conferences like Tony Robbins. I know Tony Robbins is like your favorite. I want you to reflect on that. If you could just what, what do you get out of investing in yourself? What are some of the best investments you've made in yourself? And if you wouldn't mind, just elaborate on those a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Well, one of my favorite concepts is like, betting on yourself. Like, I just like that. Like if you're going to gamble, like a casino, like who are you going to bet on? And it's so funny. We bet on companies. We bet on all these other things. But every time I think about that, I'm like, I'm not betting on myself or like, are my actions showing that I'm betting on myself? Like, shoot, learn to essentially, you want to learn to trust yourself among anyone else. So, and once you start to do that, you'll bet on yourself more. So as much as like, it's about making like high-end investments, like day with destiny, change my life, Tony Robbins, it's also starting to build integrity with yourself. So like one of the things I started, thanks to Tony Robbins, was this concept of cold showers in the morning. So you jump in the water. I think Tyler might be doing some cold showers too. The concept is like, okay, do it when it's uncomfortable. But what I'm doing is I'm training my brain, one, to overcome discomfort, but I'm building integrity with myself. So when I say I'm gonna do something, I do it. Or like any, any things in my life, like I do intermittent fasting, like every day, like if I stop eating, I don't eat, you know, until 15, 16 hours later, like no matter what. And so I think the real first thing to do too, is like to start building integrity with yourself so that when you do make an investment and like, absolutely like reading a book, you know, whatever book you're reading, I got a couple sales books here. You're making, it's like an actual integrity commitment with yourself that you're going to be all in and get a lot out of it. So if you don't feel like you have good integrity with yourself, then you're not going to bet on yourself. So it starts there. And then, yeah, like for me, I'm always like, well, what do I want to be learning? What's the skill set I want to be learning? And I try to hone in. Um, and then the real thing, like the number one thing I've done and possibly for you guys is who is the best in the world at what I want to do? I'm like, I want to be best in the world at influence is usually what I say. And that's why I go to Tony's stuff because I feel like he's best in the world at what I want to be. So above all else, like either skill sets you want to be or like find who's best in the world and start competing with them. They're your competition, not, you know, not your friend, not your neighbor. Like that person is not your competition and it will definitely get you moving. Hey, I'm curious, Lisa, with uh, everything happening with this COVID stuff, I, I think I joked about this with, because uh, I had Chandler join me on the, on the podcast, the regular podcast. Yeah. And we joked about, just the fact that like everything, like you guys are working from home with SPS, it's a virtual company. So it's like, it's like probably nothing's changed except you guys have gotten a lot busier with the demand going up partially maybe because of COVID also because you guys are doing a great job. You want to talk about right now, I think a lot of people maybe in this call, but also just in our age demographic, people that are getting out of school or maybe in school, they're watching internships and jobs just evaporate. I had a yeah. call with someone earlier today where it was like, the job is not coming back, but it might come back. And he's trying to determine if he can get back there. And he's like, it's just like, like, and just for my, it's just not coming back clearly. Like there's no way a lot of these jobs are coming back. 
What advice do you have for people in this post COVID world, whatever it's going to look like in the sense that I'm assuming it's just shifting way more work from home, but way more tech. What are some tips and tricks maybe to get ahead in either building relationships from home or just in general that you think would be really valuable as we kind of accelerate this weird path into more virtual relationships just in general? Yeah, for sure. And, and that's like, again, also a difficult question. I think it's the same concept again, that applies to sales that applies to influence. So if any of you are experiencing that, you know, that can be terrifying. The idea in anything sales is I like to lean into the fear in, in a way that's not like, Oh, just it's fine. You know, forget about it. You'll figure it out. But almost like if zig, when people are zagging, like there's something along those spaces. So if everyone is, you know, in fear of this one thing, then it creates an opportunity. So you just have to see like what that opportunity is. And so almost like if you're afraid of like losing, you know, not finding a job, well then maybe there's something there to help other people like find their job. Like almost like any fear has an opportunity. It's the same thing in sales. Again, I guess everything, I just keep relating all back to sales. But if someone tells me their biggest fear is like, I don't know, like money or something, like leaning into that and showing them why that's the very thing they want, um, I guess is, is the concept. I can explain that more, but like, what is the real fear? And then in that, even ask yourself why you're afraid. And then you just, now you have a business opportunity, you know, to go help someone else. So when in doubt, again, if you just get back to like, well, what's the fear? What are the problems? And then all you're doing in business or working for someone is they're just paying you to solve problems. So, okay, here's a problem I have. Well, guess what? Thousands of other people probably have that problem. What is one way you can add value? And remember, you don't have to be up here. If you're just one step ahead, you know, maybe people don't know how to write a resume. Well, go start a resume business. You know, anything. I don't know. I don't even know if that answers your question, Aaron, but I just believe in like leaning into the fear instead of running from it. You'll always find answers. Mitch, you want to ask this last question and then I got one more for her? Yeah. So uh, since you're an author yourself and you work at a publishing company, uh, I'm sure you're really familiar with like a lot of books and good authors. So what are the top sales books that you would recommend other than maybe your own? It's so funny. I'm like, you know, trying to see, look on my shelf if there's anything I'd recommend. If you are Blue Ocean Strategy, I love. Like if you're starting a business, read Blue Ocean Strategy. Um, it's really about how to like have a unique angle in the market. Um, and that's more of like a marketing book. But a lot of times when people are asking sales questions, they're really asking a marketing question. And then, man, honestly, like I read a lot of sales books and I don't know if I'd be like, oh, read this, like fanatical prospecting. Amazing. Like if you're doing cold calling, like it puts you in the mindset, you know, of, of cold calling, go giver, another great book. You know, it's this concept of like adding value first. So it's weird, but I would almost say like a psychology book might help you more with sales in my opinion. Um, and the thing I always recommend is like, a, a book about listening. I know that's wild, but if, if you haven't like experienced a next level ability, how to learn to like read and see into people's souls, that's what I would say would be worth your time. So something about listening, like I'll even read a lot of the most life-changing books for me have been like seven principles of making marriage work. Like it's like a counseling book. Gottman, he's one of my favorite people. Like, like you're learning context of relationships and listening. And if you can do that, like in a subject area that, you know, interests you, that's, that's, that's what I would say is the answer. So probably totally not what you're looking for, but that's what served me really well. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, I, uh, real quick, we can hit on some more questions if we have time, but Lisa, I really did want to, I want you to hit on the interesting thing you were doing for your launch team. Is that me? I don't know if somebody's screaming at me. I don't know what's happening. Um, with your launch team for your book, because you're doing, I, I just, I'm actually really curious so I can maybe steal it for my launch team, which will be starting in a few weeks. I'm very curious to hear what you're doing and how we can help if we, if we have the ability to do it. Yeah, I love it. So again, if you're solving a problem, like here's the thing, no one cares about what you're offering. Like, and I always remind myself of that too. Like humbly, like no one cares. Like I'm launching a book. No one cares. What, what do they care about? So as soon as I ask that question, now all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, well they care about this. And how do I help them with this? So I, I am launching a book amongst authors. So one of the things that you can do in any business is when you get like early reviews and things that help. So my official book launches in like two weeks. So this is like the stealth launch. And one of the things that you want to do, even if you have clients and for those of you who are just like trying to figure out what you want to do. You can get testimonials to have a website, personal brand, whatever you want to get early buy-in. And so that's what I'm doing is like getting people to read the book ahead of time and leave a review. But again, no one cares. So I had to ask myself, what do people care about? Um, and I decided in a book community of other authors, they don't care about my book, they care about theirs. So I said, Hey, do you want to be on my book launch? And I'm going to do this new concept again, new blue ocean strategy will teach you how to like zig again when others are zagging. 
Um, and so it's like, oh, here's this new thing that will help you with your launch. And so I'm doing this concept of a virtual launch. I don't know. I just made it up. I'm sure other people are doing it, but I've never heard of it. I just made it up two days ago and rolled with it. And when I pitched it, I said, you know, there's a couple ways this will help you. It'll help you if you want to, you know, start your thing, but it will especially help you if you have a book, AKA all the people that I was talking to have a book and you want to learn how to do a virtual launch and people know virtuals right now. So anything you're doing, just remember, like, it's not about you find a way that people care about it. Um, so that's, was the first concept. So I'm doing like all day tomorrow. I have these virtual launches going on. They come in and that's the other thing is like, oh man, ease. Like people don't have time for anything. So how do you eliminate as many bottlenecks as possible to people working with you or like following your mission or, you know, being on your, being in your Facebook group, whatever. So for me, I'm like, oh, well people don't know how to follow these steps. If I just get them on a virtual call tomorrow, I can walk them through. So anyway, that's how I introduce this concept I'm doing tomorrow of a virtual book launch. Um, and yeah, would love if any of you are a starting your thing. So again, like it's, you have to relate it back to you. Otherwise you guys would never click the link. You don't care to. So if you do want to start your thing and if you want to figure out your offer, that would be the purpose of this book. Um, second, I don't know if you want to learn, you know, how to write a book yourself. You can copy off what I did, you know? So this is the thing when you pitch something, make sure you explain why. So I would say if you want to start a thing, that's probably the most relevant. Um, it's really cool. It takes you through questions on how to basically like find your meaningful problem and then how to position it so it's marketable. And then by the end, you'll have like the scripting that you need so that you can go do a webinar. If you guys know what that is, you can go do, you know, email list, whatever. So I will drop the link if that's something that you want to want to look at. Oh, totally. Yeah. Please drop the link. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, we are coming up. We got a couple more minutes. Is anybody else any less questions that you guys didn't throw in the chat? Uh, I guess I have a quick question. So when you're on a sales call with somebody, how, how long does it take for you to know if they're, you know, not interested? So maybe you don't waste, you know, all your time with one person, but also Grant Cardone is a thing where, you know, no interest is a level of interest. I guess, would you kind of agree with that? Um, or would you just want to cut the call before you waste too much time? Yeah, I love it. So I guess it depends where you're at. Like if you have like such precious time, you're the only salesperson, then you want to ask a question before they get on the call, like a DQ question, a disqualifier question that helps. And for a lot of times it's finances. Like, Hey, how much are you willing to invest in the success of, you know, your photography, your, your pictures for your child? Like ask a question ahead of time that would kind of gauge yes or no. For Tyler, Tyler, Tyler's doing ads. How much are you willing to, uh, you know, put into the marketing of your business more than 5,000, less than 20,000. And then if people are putting zero, like then, you know, but you might have a better qualifying question ahead of time. So if you have a lot of calls, if not shoot, just get on the phone with people. But the biggest thing is if they have disinterest, you have to call it out from the beginning. So even if they're like unengaged, you have to say, Hey, Bob, you sound really unengaged. Like, am I missing something here? Or like, Oh, oh Sally, you sound like you have everything figured out. You like, if she's like, has an ego, like, Oh, you sound like you have it all figured out. Like you don't need help. Right. Like challenge the very thing that they're trying to prove to you. And then they'll probably open up and that's what can help you figure it out. So I love people that like aren't interested or whatever, but you have to challenge it early on. Otherwise you will waste your time. Awesome. Thank you. Love that. Lisa, I want to stick to time. I got one last question okay. for you because this is such a sales oriented group. Yeah. Uh, genuinely curious. You are leading a team of big high performer salespeople in SPS. What's the one quality or trait that you notice or that, that just stands out of a successful salesperson that works for you? So good. The best one for last. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely growth. Like at the end of the day, if someone's willing to grow, but I'll, I would put it down to ownership. So like the way I coach them too, is you own your business. <laughs> like in, if you learn to take ownership as an employee or in your business or whatever, like it sounds silly in your relationships. Like if you want to blame people for things, the key is if you start taking ownership and say, okay, well they were wrong because they took my plate. <laughs> what did I do that led them to take my plate? Or what did I do that led them to react in that way? And all of a sudden you will like increase your success. And that you're not complaining. Those are the people that aren't complaining. They're finding a way. So a find a way mentality, but it proceeds by just taking ownership, like, you know, over everything. Oh, that person sent me a bad call. Nope. I didn't close it, you know? And then now you'll start to grow from there. So take ownership, you know, it sucks, but it's really fun in the end. I love it. I love it. Lisa, thank you so much for joining yes. us. So much fun with, uh, uh, and good luck with launching your first or your geez, your first book this year, I guess, not your first book, your second book. And thank you. So I, I think I speak for everybody here. This has been freaking awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. That was a lot of fun. And yeah. I think we're all set. So thank you guys. Thank you, Lisa. 
And I guess that's it for today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Good luck. Thank you so much, Lisa. Appreciate it. That was freaking awesome. I really hope you guys enjoyed that in this episode of the Get After It podcast. If you enjoyed, please, 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 please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us a ton. Uh, every review that we get on Apple Podcasts or whatever app that you use to listen to your podcast helps us find more organic audience members. That being said, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys have a freaking awesome Memorial Day weekend if you're listening to this live. Otherwise, I really hope you guys got something awesome out of this podcast. I'll see you on the next one. Take care, guys, and get after it.